It's about history. It's about preservation. It's about sense of place here on Eastern Long Island. With Esperanza Leon, I'm Erwin Levy, and this is Our Hamptons. Esperanza. Hello, Erwin. I felt sing-song today. Yeah, I, <laughs> I know. You have, you have a pretty good voice. That could oh, be a thank future, you. Future gig, a future gig for you, maybe, but uh, <laughs> we shall see. We shall see. But um, I'll make people cry uh, and not in the good way. Now, now, you know, I play guitar. So um, if you want to call what I do playing, but, you know, after after Rachel falls asleep, I come in this office with my guitar and trust me, it's a rock and roll dream because I sing to every song I play and I imagine, I imagine an audience. I Your imagine audience. everything. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, maybe oh, we I, should, uh, this is a future episode. You and I. That, that would, that, that, that would. That, <laughs> Erwin on guitar. Oh, oh my God. That could and be a the duet beginning. with Esperanza. That could be the beginning of the end of our Hamptons podcast. <laughs> exactly. but, uh, but anyway, you know, on, yeah, to, but, but, but on anyway. to our topic. Of... <laughs> exactly. And, and this might have been a place that we could have done this performance had we, exactly. been, had we been around at the time. Well, we were alive at the time, uh, but, um, you know, we might have been a little young for it. But now Esperanza, the Sea Spray Inn. Now, First of all, you got to love the name, right? I mean, if we... you know, it is such a it's such a poetic name, the sea spray. And I mean, I know it seems very obvious, but considering the I don't know, I could all things considered, there's no other place like that still with that name out here. Just it, it's such a beautiful name. And before we get any further now, the, the sea spray in that we're talking about was actually an inn, a hotel, if you will nestled in the dunes right at main beach east hampton there are still the series of cottages there anyone that's been to main beach if you drive down ocean avenue and go all the way to the end if you look to the left literally nestled in the dunes are the sea spray cottages which were part of the sea spray inn um back in the day but to your point about talking about the name um and i I have to give props immediately. We're getting a lot of this research from just a fantastic article. And I mentioned this Esperanza before we started. David Rattray of the East Hampton Star. Uh, this is an article that appeared early 2022. And for a small article, I mean, it was just chock full of like an incredible synopsis of this place. But the Sea Spray Inn might have been named after... Cornelia Huntington's 1855 East Hampton novel of the same name, The Sea Spray. So, well, no wonder it's poetic then. I would, I would say so. If that's the case, and that's, we don't know. Uh, it's we're speculating here, but um, 1855, that name came just extraordinary. But Esperanza, now the Sea Spray Inn was not always an inn. In fact, it really wasn't even always there at the ocean. It was actually, its early life was right on Main Street in East Hampton. Yes. And uh, it was ultimately, it was under, it was a hotel under the management of William Gardner. I don't think that was a Gardner of the Gardner family, but 
when it was still on Main Street. Yeah. It, yes. Uh -huh. Okay. Yeah. So it, yes. it actually be went from a private residence to I don't, uh, don't uh, want to uh, call it a boarding uh, uh, house, probably something uh, like that. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, right? it's that's that's sort of that sort of was how I'm reading it because it, it's. Uh, you know, great historian out here, uh, Avril, Avril uh, Dayton. How do I pronounce that last uh, name? Gois. Gois. Oh, okay, guys, yeah. that's how I would. would uh, there was a quote that uh, David put in this article. Gardner liked gaiety and held oyster suppers and dances here, which uh, sort of put a smile, uh, put a smile to my face. And Mary Nimmo Moran and an artist and her more celebrated husband, who is also an artist, Thomas Morana, supposedly right. had their first stay there. But now E.D. Turbell bought the sea spray in the early part of the 20th century, 1902, and he actually moved it to the dunes where it where it spent most of its life. But he did it as a summer house. And and Turbell is a name that people may recognize, right? I would say so, because there's a gorgeous street right off Ocean Avenue called Turbell Lane. Uh, full disclosure, I ride my bike down that street all the time. It, it, it lets out, um, you get the most majestic view of the pond at the end of that street. The residents right now of that street are writing me and saying, I can't believe you gave this away, but I'm sorry. It really is. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't park my car there, but I do take the bike to, at the end to the end of that street because it really is beautiful. But well, these are public streets. They are public streets. We're not in a certain association uh, to the west of here. This is but, not a gated community. It's not a gated community. Although there were prob probably plenty of amenities in these houses at this oh, point. Oh, no doubt. No <laughs> doubt. And I'm sure Mr. Trebell had had his share. Uh, I would I would for I the would, time. <laughs> uh, for, yeah, for 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 the day, it really did. And now remember 1902. And again, we've spoken about this in our Hamptons Esperanza, how the moving of houses and the moving of buildings in this point of at this in this era were not uncommon. You no, know, this kind of yeah, thing was, you know, happened all the time. All the time. I mean, yes. these these things were done, but now, if you imagine now, this house was on Main Street mm -hmm. and just imagine building a building of this kind of substance, you know, where he he had to move it down Main Street. And of course, there were trees that allegedly had to get cut to be moved. Story, uh, folklore, if you will. Thomas Moran was among those that summer. It was going to shoot anyone who touched the silver birches in front of his house. Uh, you know, really, again, nothing changes. I, no, I, you know, I, I think you would have the same kind of reaction today. But yeah, but, yeah. but but apparently they they moved a fire hydrant at Woods Lane, and somehow, some way, they were able to get it down there. And and so I mean, I'm picturing this was done with horses. I, I mean, now at yeah, this I, point in time, it's it, right. I mean, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, there was, yeah, I would have to say there, if they were, if they were motor vehicles at 1902, they certainly weren't capable of hauling, yeah, a, house. hauling a house. Exactly. I, 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 I can't, that imagine. was horsepower, natural horsepower. <laughs> yeah. That is, that is, that is for certain. But so, this got put in there. Um, and again, remember, this was his private residence. And and again, I, for anyone that has not been down to where these cottages are, it is just, it's an iconic location. And, and when we say nestled in the dunes, and we touched on this with the white cottages in Sagaponic, but this has that similar vibe when you're driving down there or walking down there. They are just buried in a dune. It really is, it really is a sight. And 
Now, apparently the cottages came along later. The cottages, as we mentioned, still there. Um, they came along after the house had again be become a hotel. Now, the East Hampton Star in 1914 did report that the Eldridges, George Eldridge and son, self-taught builder or architect, was building toad bungalows to face the ocean, designed these cottages. Um, this guy also did commercial projects. How about the Edwards Drugstore on Main Street, Esperanza? Which is the home of the star. Exactly. Right. So, so um, if anybody's looking for some Eldridge architecture, there you have it. Egg, that's that's correct, because that building has not changed all that much. No, you know, truly, I mean, yes. Is, that is really a... Walk by that East Hampton Star building and you just peer through those windows. It is a moment. It's time. like going back in time and going inside is, it, is yeah, like going, it's, it's, it's like a, a time capsule, right? It, yeah. it, it really is. It really is. a time And there capsule. are, Erwin, um, there are, I think, 12 or 13 of these that cottages. That is the number. Uh, yes. 12 or 13 of these cottages. And the, the storyline, you know, it's funny, we were talking about this before we started, you know, the history is interesting. We're now going to sort of move into its heyday. But when we get into the present day where it's only about the cottages, uh, it takes, let's just say it takes a little bit of a different turn. But to move into the heyday, and I guess the heyday is probably, this probably is the sweetest part of the story. Because again, now the heyday, we're going to call really from the 1940s into the mid-70s. Uh, now, this was the heyday again. We always do this on our Hamptons. Think back to what this place was uh, 80, 80 years ago in the 40s, and again, to a lesser extent, 50 years ago in the 70s. Just how different it was. But at its peak, the Sea Spray Inn could host 125 guests, and its restaurant could handle as many as 166 diners at each seating. Yeah, I mean, and I'm thinking how incredible. There's not a single place today that has that could boast a location like this had at all. Um, I mean, it's incredible. And I, I will, I wanted to say because you were saying, you know, like transporting ourselves back. I think. Uh, it, I'm I'm remembering that in uh, Helen Harrison, who wrote a trilogy, it's now a trilogy of murder mystery books. The first one in the trilogy, An Accidental Corpse, actually had the main characters who were two, a husband and wife, uh, New York City police department, uh, you know, police officers um, and their son. They, I, re I recall that this, one of the settings was at the Sea Spray Inn. Uh, and so uh, there were descriptions of that in that book. So that would be, you know, 19 uh, in the 1950s. That is definitely recommended reading. And I'm uh, sure Helen did her research about oh how gosh. that looked and uh, smelled and felt back it, then. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. She's, um, yeah. Believe me, I, uh, you know, if Helen Harrison offered a course on research, I would take it. Uh, yes, probably enhance our Hamptons podcast. But you're uh, so right. But but she, yeah, she's uh, she's and she's a great writer too. Great writer, I recommend that book <laughs> yeah, and, I, and the I, whole trilogy. In fact, okay. yeah. So there's there's a shout out and little Harrison. plug, yeah. But yeah, I think exactly. also she just to, just yeah. to situate ourselves, if you know, if yeah. you read that book, you'll you'll get a sense of that no, place. No question. I mean, I'm sure she really does. I'm sure she really does capture that. But we're going to try to capture this also because and I mentioned this test bronzer and this is something I didn't even realize. Um, it was actually. 
I actually found this part in a letter that uh, somebody wrote to the star about this article. And this was someone that actually worked at the Sea Spray in the 1960s. And I'll even give him a prop. It was a Jim Lubetkin. So Jim, I'm going to thank you for this. It was a great little thing. But this I remember reading it. Yeah. yeah. For, for our guests, the rooms ran from Spartan to great with rates starting at, get this, $15 a day per person, including three meals, <laughs> elegantly served at white linen covered tablecloths. Now, you, I, I didn't reading when you know when I first read this, I never associated we're actually getting three meals a day. This was sort of like this was sort of almost like a borscht belt upstate New York Catskill Mountains kind of vibe. Totally. Yes. On, on, yeah, on, yeah, yeah. On, in, in the dunes of East Hampton. I mean, just uh well, that's what was expected back then, right? I mean, forget bed and breakfast. This is yeah, for, for sure <laughs> three squares. Three squares. So I guess they would spend the day at the beach and 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 everything else and then go back and um you know probably I, I would I would venture to say there must have been a hell of a cocktail hour at this place. Too, oh, no, so. no question. But I love and I love his, you know, his description of just working his butt off, at, you know, serving three meals a day, seven days a week. But it was really, he said, at, at the age of 20, the greatest job in the world. Right. I mean, and it's I picture that because you would be just, you know, surrounded by all this beauty and people and activity and everything else. It must have been a load of fun. Exactly right. And, uh, you know, we also took called some information for this story um, from a book called The Sea Spray Inn. I think this was a self-published book by a Raymond R. Ahrens, A-R-O-N-S. And Mr. Ahrens also, similar to Mr. Lebeckin, worked, he worked there from 59 to 61 as a college student. And, you know, to continue this dialogue a little bit, to extend it, the guests stayed in buildings called the High Tide, the Low Tide, and Bayberry Close. Now, when Bayberry Close is actually a house across the street now, I think yes. must have taken the name of, of this, I would assume, uh, sort of an homage maybe to uh, the hotel. But uh, anyway, Mr. Aarons wrote how the best room in the high tides was $100 a night in 1959. So a full season stay, which is three months, was $9,000. Not an insignificant amount of money in 1959. But, you know, then again, staying in an oceanfront room, three square meals a day. Not a bad deal, I think, Esperanza. Oh, I, I think it must have been marvelous. I mean, and here, you know, after a day at the beach, guests returned to their rooms to dress, as you said, that cocktail hour, dress for cocktails. I mean, I wish we had that life still. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, to what you were saying before, like there was no other site like this. You know, he was even talking about it, that in that day, aside from the sea spray, the only motel with a beachfront, it was the only motel with a beachfront except for Gurney's. And maybe right. there was a maybe there was an inn or something in Southampton. I would imagine there might have been, um, but other than that, but ocean, especially oceanfront, I can't. I don't know of. Yeah, I, I wouldn't think so. And again, to go back to many an hour Hamptons episode, remember to the to the west, Wainscot, Bridgehampton, Saga, Sagapont. This was farmland. Yeah, you know, so there were no hotels on the ocean outside of Montauk, and outside of probably something in Southampton, um, but. My God. And reading more about Mr. Aaron's uh, when he was a boy working there, a college kid working there, um, his $14 a week plus room and board 
but one week's pay was held back if you didn't work Labor Day, which was the <laughs> last day that that place was open. So, I mean, it's just, well, what a, it really had, that was, so this was really the heyday. And like continuing on with this story with what David wrote, um, the 4th of July, and I, I remember Raymond Aaron's touched on this in his book also, that was like a huge Huge day. I mean, the guests wore costumes. The bouillabaisse base was being cooked. It was just a party like no other. Yeah. And now Donald Hunting. Now, this is an old name out here, Esperanza. I mean, this is, and I'm going to go with this is, this is a hunting. Well, is uh, it a hunting? I mean, I'm seeing how it's written. It's uh, hunting with one T. So I'm wondering if it's the same I, I, as the I hunting. I have to admit, I was thinking that the same thing. And oh, I, okay. And I tried, I couldn't find anything on it. So we're not sure. But um, if anyone out there in the Hourhamptons audience knows, this was a Donald hunting. And he was there until 1969. So this is mm. not, um, you know, this is not really ancient history, but he was there for 25 years. So he was there from the forties until about 69. And, wow. and he talks about this of having um, worked there of managing a staff and guests, 175 people, especially during the wartime was very challenging. Um, and there was gasoline rationing. So there was only one trip a day going into the village. Something was forgotten. They had to do without. Yeah. Um, and think about it. I mean, that wasn't, a long distance. No, right? <laughs> a mile and a half. I mean, you bike this, right? I, I used to I, bike I, it all the time too. Like, like it, like it was really, like it was really nothing. And, right. um, and you know, Don Hunting was actually interviewed by the star in 1998. And he was mentioning how the uneaten food and scraps from the 500 meals a day that they served. Remember they had 160, some, whatever guests, and they were serving three meals a day. It added up plus mm -hmm. the staff. Mm -hmm. And um, all of that went in to keep the pigs very well fed in their victory garden. <laughs> so, I, I mean, so now let's go back for a second. Okay. Now, we're it. in the 50s. Pigs 60s, in the dunes. In the pigs, a pig pen <laughs> in a victory garden in the dunes of this really very high end hotel. Now, we just touched on this Esperanza. I just really thought of something now. So like this, Donald, uh, this Mr. Aaron's was working there in 1959. So a summer rental was $9,000 here for basically an oceanfront room. Now my parents moved to their house in Queens for, I think, $12,000 in 1957. So uh, to put it in, <laughs> in a little it in perspective, perspective, yeah. I mean, this was, this was, this was a high end vacation. Well, yeah, clearly there were the high end, customers and then sort of the middle end right. customers right and and i would point back to helen's book because hey you had police officers who could afford to that's stay, right right that's Maybe. right yeah so it wasn't like it was all luxury it's exactly <laughs> right and as and as you know uh, the the mr lubetkin wrote how they were guests that were going there for 15 dollars a day you know, so that yeah, definitely, you, you know, that yeah. definitely, that definitely seemed like was, it was a very democratic place. It, it it apparently was. And it probably, and it probably, um, a lot of that stemmed from the owner. Now the owner of the place that was during, during its heyday was Arnold Bailey. This was a Stanford educated, you know, very bright, smart guy. But 
of this time, Esperanza mentioned this when we were leading, talking about this before we went on air, how he was a person of great thrift who would fly into New York in his own private plane, register at the plaza, and then sit at his bedroom window and darn a sock. You know, like <laughs> that is that is that so of that time, wouldn't you say? I Just, am trying to picture some of those people that uh, use our airport today. Right. Oh, behaving right. that way and it doesn't come readily that I, picture I, that image I, you know that's very funny Esperanza I'm going on record as saying anyone that flies into the East Hampton airport is not darning their socks no I'm going on record I'm gonna I, I take think a chance yeah you're not going out on a limb I don't think <laughs> I, I I don't think I don't think I'm going out on I don't think I'm really going out on too big a limb on that but you know, one other thing I, th I think we should touch on before we get to move this on a little bit is um, this was really another great part of the story. Um, just touching on um, from Raymond Aaron's book, um, apparently the front office was the center of everything here. And there was a front office and there was a handwritten book. They called it the master schedule book. And there were names with erasing eraser marks. If if you could imagine those old movies you used to watch where you would watch someone actually sign into a hotel. Yes. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. that's uh, alien now, obviously, but that's, that's the way it was done. I mean, you would actually sign into something, but this was a part I loved Esperanza. And I think that you're going to love this also. Um, now, remember now we're in the, when Raymond Aaron's worked there, 1959, 60, 61, needless to say, it wasn't the credit, the era of credit cards. I guess there were credit cards, but I don't know how much, Kind of, yeah, were there? I think that's a, that's a good question. Checks, yeah, <laughs> but but the, I can assure the, you, women did ha not have credit uh, cards. Probably back then. not. Were they voting then? I don't but, think uh, they even had bank accounts, <laughs> frankly. But that's right. but I love this story. Um, all the deposits were made at the only bank in town, which was the Osborne Trust Company, and no e and no e <laughs> yeah uh according to mr Aaron's, but um i just I, I i really i really love that that part of the story but um yeah just wow but from the files of how like all good things really do come to an end uh in 1978 there was a fire you know and it's amazing when we think of these these kind of things yeah the Bell Estate burned down. I, you know, mm. all of these such prominent kind of buildings, such important buildings. But in 1970, in 1978, and of course, February, February 20th at nine o'clock. Uh, and at night. At night. So, yeah. So typical. Yeah. Yeah. Midwinter. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And now there was reading uh david rattray's you know take on this how it was snow was on the ground um very bad water supply there there was a little main off the end of ocean avenue that didn't give much water you know the firefighters did what they could chopping through the ice but it was for on hook pond it was frozen near the shore At the end of the day the fire couldn't be stopped and there was four fire de departments there 125 volunteers and couldn't be stopped. They did suspect arson and Esperanza. Here's a mm. real another piece of folklore. The lead detective investigating this was Paul Rickenback. 
Oh wow! Yeah, is that now yeah, who became East Hampton's mayor? For right, probably not thirty long plus after years. That. He was there. He was mayor mm -hmm. really up until maybe a couple of years ago. Three, twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So he was mayor for a long time. This probably was at the end of his career with the police department, if I'm not mistaken, Incredible. or close to it, or. But just he was the lead detective investigating and they did suspect arson. They actually questioned the suspect. But, you know, it was the lead. Didn't what was it? Out. A disgruntled employee? I, I <laughs> found I, I found no information. But again, I, and, uh, you know, I think, by you know, I'll put on my law and order hat or these all of these police procedural <laughs> shows we've all watched, uh, you know, when would a fire take place if not at night exactly, in February yeah. in East Hampton? Right. I right. mean, my gosh, how and many timber frame structures that, you know, in 1978, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, so the hotel was gone and with it really, uh, I mean, that's was the end of an era in that sense for this kind of lodging, this kind of inn right on the ocean. But the sea spray cottages were still there. Mm. Now, the story now takes on a whole other take now. Esperanza, I got to put on my serious Our Hamptons podcast voice now. Okay. Because... You make me laugh when you do that. <laughs> I, 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 I don't mean to, but I, the story, I have to put on my news anchor voice because the story does get a little more somber now. But anyway, now we get into really what essentially is getting near present day a business, the business of the Seaspray Cottages. So the East Hampton Village Board, um, you know, first of all, the village residents voted by a majority to buy the 16 acre property and to add the land and its cottages to the village's roster of parks and recreational sites. So this is whatever 19, I guess, right after the fire, we'll call it 79. And the village board decided to lease out these 13 units, 13 cottages as summer rentals and get a load of this with the tenants responsible for repairs. Yeah, now, this, this is great. Come on. <laughs> that's, now, that, that's, now, a, that's a responsibility. Oh, I, I would say, I wouldn't right? trust. Right, but now, but um, it did not pass muster with the state because apparently the village could not legally rent out cottages that were on parkland. Uh, um, yes. So Okay, so. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Otherwise, I'm going to go but then again, aren't, is, aren't there, isn't glamping going on in Cedar Cedar Point Park? Not that I want to segue into that right now, but maybe we'll save that for another day. Yeah, but, yeah uh, who knows? <laughs> but anyway, it took, it took the state legislature to solve this issue. And they apparently there was some sort of exemption granted and whatever. So anyway, moving it along, the village voters agreed to buy the property. And... For more than 20 years after that, so we're in 1979 now, these mostly oceanfront cottages, and I, I will argue, we look, you've seen them, I've seen them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If there were ones that are in oceanfront, they're pretty darn close. I mean, I they all look like they're nestled in a dune. They are. I mean, it's not like necessarily you're getting a view of the ocean, which is probably a good thing because you're not exposed, right. but... Um, you know, like the cottage, the cottages that we talked about, you know, you mentioned earlier uh, from the white farm in Bridgehampton, they're just tucked right in there in the dune where you just, 
walk over that little, you know, grassy slope. And there you are, you know, it's like the sky opens up Uh, and you've got miles of sand and ocean all around you. And you know what I've always marveled about Esperanza about the sea spray cottages is not only that, if you access the beach from the cottages, you are obviously you're nearby, but you're not all that close to the people by the pavilion where the beat where the beach parking lot is. You're sort of a little bit away. And by the way, if you want to move another 20 yards, there's no one in sight. Yeah. I mean, it is. Yeah. No, it it's a very a, tranquil spot, really. I mean, what a sweet spot. Mm-hmm. And but they were known. And now I would now I okay, so I was here as I've mentioned from 89 on, you were here obviously longer than that, but, and I remember this at 15 K a season, these really were the best deal in town. No doubt. This was a, this was a bargain. And now I don't know if incestuous is the right word. It may be, it may right, may not be, but let's just say at 15 K a season, no one was leaving here. These were the same people. Yeah. And that's what they actually wanted. Right. I mean, I think they were just renewing these leases year after year to the same people. Yeah. I I guess, uh, which seems uh, a little, you know, odd. (laughs) Yeah. I, you know, I guess that they, I guess that the village board at the time is saying, well, it's not broken. Let's not fix it. Right. These people are not, this isn't riffraff. They've taken care of it, but I mean, they really, it was the sweetheart deal of the century. And we have, we have a, we're going somewhere with this. Don't worry, because fifteen thousand a year from say seventy nine. I'm sure it went up incrementally a little bit, but so in nineteen eighty, these units produced eighty four thousand dollars in revenue a year for the village. By nineteen ninety nine, the village took in two hundred sixty thousand dollars. Now, remember, at a certain point in time. They opened it up. I guess it's sort of like the baseball reserve clause where, where a baseball player had one, had no other option, had to play with the same team for his entire life, his entire career until everything changed and you become, became a free agent. All of a sudden, these cottages opened up. And Esperanza, in 2022, you want to raise your guess as to what the... I think we might have spoken about it, so maybe it's not a guess, but <laughs> why don't you tell the audience how much rental income they anticipated from this year. Oh gosh. Uh, I'll give you, I mean, hint. it's gotta be in the, in the, like a million, you know, million up, up right. upwards of a million. 1.2 million to be exact. So from $84,000 in 1980 to $1.2 million in 2022, that's a pretty big incremental. It's a nice little, it's a nice little, it's, it's a nice revenue source for sure sure. and especially given the expenses are seemingly low exactly and that's what exactly right very good point good i was saying to myself wow we've been probably a half hour into this episode without a segue and no segue i'm sorry you gave a segue (laughs) you did give a segue because the expenses on the 1.2 million dollars this year 125k so 10 percent expenses 90% 90% profit. I'll leave it there and let anyone fill in that blank. But anyway, well, you know, I'm, I'm seeing that, you know, like how they, they changed that. I think it's 
I guess it's fair, but the whole idea that it goes, that these cottages go to the highest bidder seems, I don't know, just somehow. I was thinking the same thing. Rubs me the wrong way. I I, I was thinking the same thing because, and, and again, I, I get, we're in a free market, but there are people that, I mean, I'm doing the pause intentionally. This is not me thinking. I'm doing the pause intentionally. But with the mad money here, who knows how far these kind of numbers will ultimately go? Yes, up, exactly. Know? Yeah, that's you know, what that, I was thinking. That's, but, you know, going back to what I would consider the heyday only because I kind of lived it. <laughs> uh -oh. is, I, know, I have um, a feeling of what's coming. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, we we didn't touch on this, but I and my family, we were one of those 166 diners oh back in at 1976, seven, well, before it burned down. Right, before right, right. And yeah. Irwin, I ate my first baked potato at the Sea Spray Inn. Yeah. Let's just take a moment and think about this, everyone. <laughs> now, this is, we don't give away ages on our Hamptons, but let's just say Esperanza Leone at this time was a little girl. And um, having this baked potato, inevitably, probably a Bridgehampton potato. Had to have been. I mean, it, it, I, I mean, Bridgehampton, East Hampton. I don't know, but it was a local potato. It, it, I have it, no it, doubt. It, they had local duck. They had local chicken. They had local everything. I'm sure. And you had the owner of a hotel darning his sock. He wasn't going to pay <laughs> overpay for a, a potato. He went local. I am going to go extend. I, I'm putting it out there that Esperanza Leone, actually, this is how authentic our Hamptons podcast is when you really think about it, that not only are we talking about this place, this is we're, we're giving a living history, someone who actually had a meal there. Again, <laughs> again as a little girl. Oh, like, I'm yeah, so I, special. I, yeah, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not going to quiz her on, did you see the ocean from the, from the room? I mean, I'm not going to go down there. Uh, although I, I think one wall I'm sure was, those would probably be the prime tables, the south wall facing the ocean. But uh, see, so, so you actually experienced it. Um, would yeah. be a good thing to ask your mom. I would like to. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I'm going to now. Yeah. I should have before before yeah, we were going to do this conversation, but now I will. I think that, she'll have more of a recollection for sure. I, I may call you later off when, to get the we're off air just to get, get the, the story. This, I, I, I really, I really am interested in that. But I'm yeah. glad you. I'm glad we. I, I did. I, I was sort of say. I was. I was sort of saving the story because I. I love the story. Esperanza told it to me earlier. Well, it was a memorable occasion. I have yeah, to tell I'm you. Sure. <laughs> Esperanza, that that had to be a special occasion kind of place, especially you were a local family going to the sea spray you weren't one of the you know the guests of the hotel kind of thing right yeah. and, and that's another thing i you know which I, I would have loved to ask your mother like when when she, i'm sure our, her and your dad probably dine there alone also periodically and and whatnot um you know what the vibe in that dining room was um you know just uh was it did it feel like uh it feel like they were local families. Yeah, that's that's yeah, really I just okay. remember well, it felt like that everywhere at that time. I I I my recollection, you know, it's sort of old school and 
you know, you think about even the pavilion next next to there, you know, um, that's where we would we would be invited to go up on that terrace to see to watch the fireworks on July on, you know, for the 4th of July. So it was a different time. These are these are great stories. But yeah, I really I think we have to start closing. Yes. Just to bring it really right into the present day. There have been and this is. There have been talks at the sea spray, sea spray property, you know, heard around the village, you know, and we're talking now. I mean, we're talking uh, present day and the village board members have been talking about whether it would be advantageous to turn their management over to a private company. Oh, I hope not. Responsible for the upkeep. Uh, now, again, this is also something. Maybe I should put my serious voice on again, but this is something that would have to be taken up with an act through the New York state legislature, the assembly, the state. So, I mean, I don't think this is something that's imminent necessarily, but I guess the conversation, uh, the conversations are starting. So stay tuned. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Uh, Hmm. I'm a little wary of that news. (laughs) God, yeah. Talk about a mood shift here ooh, in the studios ooh. of our right. Hamptons. Shake it off, we shake were, it off. We, we, we went from at the, Le, the the Leon family having a meal at the Sea Spray My Inn. My first potato. To, to <laughs> the first, and, and Esperanza's first potato to discussing the changes in uh, further changes. Yeah, uh, just so, let me wax nostalgic for a little longer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> My God. I mean, please right, don't yeah. bring me into the present day. I, I'm, I'm trying to put my happy voice on since we're at the close of this episode. As yes. Said, but, yeah. But that was that was so much fun. And um, yeah. And and, the, um, and and anyone who you know might Google this, you'll see some very cool pictures, historical ones from the early 1900s to like the 1978 fire. It's right. uh, it's worth right. exploring. Right. So um, thank you to our again Raymond Aaron's for writing about the sea spray in, and a special thanks to uh, David Rattray and the East Hampton Star, who's yeah. Yes, you know, we're yeah. fans. He's a friend of the show, and uh, you know we appreciate all they do. But that was Esperanza. That was a, a good God, walk I, down memory lane. And yeah, I, I have the smile the back path on of my history. Face. <laughs> yeah, and and I have the smile back on my face after after I, I I tried to get as quickly as possible back into the Leon's having dinner and the, <laughs> put the smile back from the somber stuff. So <laughs> that was fun. So thank you, Esperanza. Thank you. Always fun, Erwin. Until next time. Very good. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us. New episodes of Our Hamptons are released every other Tuesday. Find them wherever you get your podcasts.